Hey, hello, hi, welcome to and are back to Equitheory. I am your host, Jill. If you're still a little bit lost, <laughs> this podcast used to be called the Jet Reel Podcast, and before that, it was Equine in Theory. But for brand consistency's sake, I have now switched it to Equitheory because my all of my other stuff is Jet Equitheory. Uh, but the last episode, season three, episode one, is all about that. And this episode, number two, I just want to take more of a personal feel. It's been a minute since I like kind of just sat down conversationally with you guys and explained some things that are going on for me and why things have been so hectic and um, you know why I'm so behind on patron questions. I promise I'm going to get to you guys. They're sitting in my inbox and all pulled up nice and neat on my notes. And uh, I just, I I got some things that I want to talk to you guys about and some ideas that have been swirling around in my head, some really exciting things that are coming up for me and um, just opportunities and revelations that I've had recently. And I I just want to get into it. So three, two, one, go. where you can support me and the horses directly. If you're willing and able, check us out at Jet Real Podcast on your Patreon app or at patreon.com slash Podcast. When you become a patron of the podcast, you can ask me questions that I'll answer on the podcast, receive merch, and have access to live Q&A events, which means you get your questions answered in real time. Uh, at the higher tiers, you have the option for phone call consults with me on air or privately, as well as access to online training with me, depending on your tier. Ooh, fun. Uh, lastly, should you decide to become a patron, just know you can cancel at any time and subscribe and unsubscribe as you please and if you can't support us through patreon absolutely no worries at all listening alone is more than enough and i just want to say thank you to all the current and future patrons me and the ponies appreciate it endlessly anyway i'm gonna stop talking and we're gonna get into the part where i talk about things you're interested in all righty it is time to get into the nitty-gritty so i hope you're ready this is actually my first time using my new mic and monitor setup Um, I don't know that I've ever really talked about it on the podcast, but, um, I, I have a migraine disorder, I guess it's hereditary and my, mine aren't bad comparatively. I know a lot of people that have really bad, uh, struggles with migraines, but it's not normal for people to have migraines that last two weeks, which I do every time the seasons change, especially since all the COVID, um, stuff has been happening and, um, I decided it was time to, uh, make some adjustments. I promise this ties into migraines because a lot of what I do is on my laptop and I bought a desk because I was getting tired of uh, a lot of neck pain from sitting on my couch or on my bed, like working on my computer. Um, I also deal with insomnia and um, I have done everything that the internet tells you to combat that. And um, so I stopped doing anything in my bed, literally anything, my phone and my laptop and everything stays in my living room and I go to bed with a book (laughs) and I have blue light blocking glasses and all that good stuff, but I was still having a lot of issues and I get a lot of tension headaches as well. And um, just because I don't notice how much tension I'm holding in my body, there's a storm happening right now. So there is no shot at this. <laughs> it's going to knock my internet out again. Oh my God. I'll get into that in a minute, but I swear it just needs to blow over us. I don't want to deal with this again. Um, anyway, so 
I get really bad tension headaches because I don't notice when I'm working or driving or sitting or standing or anything that I hold my shoulders up, like, you know, like kind of shrug them upward. <laughs> and I catch myself all the time and I'm like, dude, relax, like drop your shoulders. And, um, doing that, like holding them all the time, I guess it maybe comes from back issues or just being a, a generally more intense person, I guess. Ah, just, I don't know. It's like I just hold everything in and um, I want to get into more of that in a moment. But anyway, so I hold a lot of tension and it gives me really bad headaches and Oh, I hope you heard that. I just popped my neck. My point is that it was getting really hard for me to sit at my desk because I bought it so that I could stop looking straight down at my laptop, but I did not think I still have to look down because I have a laptop and I was like, oh God. So I've been uh, procrastinating on getting a for real, for real monitor and I finally bit the bullet and did it and it's up higher. And the most exciting thing that makes me look super professional is um, I got a boom stand for my mic. So it clips onto my desk and then comes up and over to me. So um, the tripod that came with my mic, which is a blue snowball, was short and I always had to either stack it or hold it and that was just inconvenient for everyone. Um, or I would lean over and that screwed up my back and therefore my neck and all of those good things. So everything is also blue light blocking and eye safe and all that good stuff. I have like eight pairs of blue light blocking glasses and by eight I mean three. So <laughs> anyway, all of that to say I have significantly upgraded for um, not only quality assurance sake, but also my own <laughs> well-being was suffering and um, all of those things were quite expensive, but I have been really grinding out content as far as YouTube and um, podcasting goes and uh, the Patreon's doing well, which is really exciting. And then, um, you know, my boss <laughs> has got um, lots of horses for me to work with. So I've been working really hard and also trying to do school things. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I just want to do a quick thank you to everyone who has supported me because I would not be able to do those things um, that are helping me feel better and also improve the quality of the podcast without you guys' support. It really means a lot. We're kind of a tight-knit family here. I always get really excited when I get messages from listeners because I think there's should there's only usually like 2,000 listens per episode, um, but I almost kind of prefer it that way because I feel like I'm speaking to my people, um, and we're all kind of on the same wavelength, and it's generally an older audience, um, which is awesome because I swear a lot, and I still rein it in for episodes, but um, anyway, all that to say, I just, I really appreciate it because, man, was this needed because my poor neck was killing me, <laughs> and um I've noticed a significant decrease in my headaches since I've started using it, um, the monitor, I mean. And this is my first episode with the boom mic, so I'm really excited. I think it's really important to value your body because you don't realize how much it impacts you. And I mean, having to take naps every day or take a break and go lay in bed for 40 minutes and ice my neck because my headaches were just killing me is A, cutting out time that I would like to be spending doing other things, but also it just made working really hard and wanting to edit and all that good stuff. So anyway, all that to say, in the words of Kirk Honda from the Psychology in Seattle podcast, uh, take care of yourself because you deserve it. You really, really do. That's, that's just been an update. That was awesome. But this past week, my boss had to get hay in. That was when Hurricane Laura was blowing through. It's the first, I think, ever hurricane in Arkansas or the first in a really long time. I don't not fact check me. It obviously was not near as bad as it was in uh, Louisiana and my heart goes out to them because it was rough here. I can't imagine they're still dealing with it in um, 
for me, I think my power just got knocked out for, I think, three days or so. And um, I had to take Wally, my cat, to... Um, he heard me. I had to take him to my boss's house and we stayed there for a bit. And then, uh, because my house was a sauna, it was so hot in here because immediately the day after the hurricane was one of the hottest days in like recorded history. It was stupid. And, um, so I spent one night here in the dark with no electricity and then spent another at my boss's house. But yeah, so that's been going on. And amidst all of that, we had the hay, which is what I started to say earlier. <laughs> the people that work here, um, they offered to pick up hay because they did it last year and we had 500 bales and they knocked it out in a few days. But um, this year, they didn't know that we had 2,000 bales and they could not get anybody to help them. And the hurricane was rolling in, so they had a set amount of days. They had, I think they were at it for a full week, full seven days, um, pretty much by themselves. They got some people to help them here and there, but I mean, like, the the man that works here is he's I think he's in his 50s um he's like 40 to 50 some somewhere in there um he looks old <laughs> um and then the lady that works here is like teeny 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 itty bitty itty bitty skinny thin little thing and um it was pretty much just them and they got some other guys to help them here and there but they most of them didn't work all day um except the two people that generally feed um so I fed for them that whole time and um so they could hurry and get it done and also not have to worry about feeding because we have 30 horses that get grain and uh <laughs> that's a lot and it, it's more than just like oh you go feed the horses like you have to feed them you have to top off water troughs almost every day because it's hot af you have to throw hay and alfalfa and um then you have to make up feed and do supplements for am and then supplements for pm and then have to clean all the stalls and uh, like it's it's a lot and then you got to do it all again a few hours a minute <laughs> a few hours in a minute a few hours later um so it was, it was exhausting and it's hot and gross outside and it was just, it was miserable. And, uh, yeah, so I didn't get anything done that I needed to get done. It was just, it was mentally exhausting. It's been a really hard couple of weeks, but we got all the hay. It looks like ass. It is the most disgusting looking hay I've ever seen in my life, but it's all we have. Um, so Sunny was like, I'm gonna have to import next year because I can't do this. This is bad. I think dare I say it, things are looking up and I'm trying to focus on the positive. A couple days ago, I, because I've been really trying to get started on researching hoof care. I've been listening to the Humble Hoof podcast and a few others um, just to kind of like get some information going. Um, but it's a lot. There's a lot that goes into it because you can't just learn about anatomy or like trimming techniques because every horse is different literally every horse you don't get the same foot every time and you have there's so much to learn there's so many components um and learning about like microorganisms and what different sorts of pathologies and um infections are and um also you can't just learn about the foot the foot you have to learn about nutrition like it is essential and uh, in, in short, from my understanding, and this will be very layman and basic, so if you're a hoof professional, um, don't at me. <laughs> but um, so essentially, if you have like a lot of white line and thrush, from my understanding, which we do out here, um, then it's because the horse has a lot of dead tissue in 
their hoof and that is usually due to something missing in their diet and what happens when you have water or hay or even the grass you know things you can't really control um this is why hay testing is super important so you know what's in your hay um those things tend to be really high in iron and iron competes in the body against things like zinc and copper i think i'm pretty sure um so if you have an overload of iron, then all your zinc and copper gets kicked out. And those are key nutrients to helping hoof development and keeping a healthy, um, happy foot. So ideally, you don't have to use products, um, you know, thrush products or, um, you know, having corrective shoeing for white line problems and things like that. If your diet is good, theoretically, you know, and you have to play around with it. Every horse is different genetically and blah, blah, blah. But if you have the diet right, then the feet come naturally and you should not have all of those problems. And a lot of the treatments like Thrush Buster, um, one of the podcast episodes I was listening to, I think I have to double check this, but um, they were talking about how Thrush Buster, um, it's very caustic and that's great for killing the microorganisms that are eating away at your horse's dead hoof tissue. So Thrush is just essentially a bunch of little germy guys that get up in your horse's hoof and they feed on dead tissue. Um, so when you put thrush buster in there, it kills the dead or it, it kills the, the microorganisms that are eating away at the hoof, but it also harms the good tissue. And then when that good tissue dies, you see what I'm saying? It rebounds and then you get thrush again. So you have to keep using the product, which is great marketing technique, not great for the horse. Um, and you know, that might not happen in every case. It depends on how your horse's feet are doing. Um, but that is a problem that I've noticed that it just never seems to really help or clear it up permanently. And it's because it's all in diet and we are so over marketed that we are supposed to feed these awesome high sugar feeds for one of our horses out here. We got this like, um, sensitive stomach ulcer prone horse food. It is marketed for that. Um, and the sugar content was almost 10%. Horses feed at best 0%. Um, what we're feeding now has about three, I think. And, um, we try to really watch what supplements we use. And, um, some of the horses that are not like, they're kind of just like pasture horses, but they, there's not enough grass out here. I could get into all of the reasons why, but we are struggling. Um, and those horses, it's really expensive to feed the high end feed. That's got all the good stuff in it. So, um, we're supplementing with products that are really, really high in zinc so that their bodies don't have to compete against the iron to have good feet. And so theoretically, and we've already seen a huge change in some of them. You can see where the new hoof has grown out and it looks light years better. Um, so anyway, all of that to say, I am becoming a hoof nerd slowly, but surely. And I'm hoping to have, um, Alicia Harlov from the humble hoof podcast on here soon, which is really exciting. Um, I have a list of questions for her and at some point I'm going to post on Instagram and ask you guys what hoof care questions you have, but I warn you, mine is very long and, um, I'll have to see if she's interested in breaking it up into two episodes because, um, I have a lot of questions. Um, but to that end, I have a hoof book in front of me. I think it's called the ultimate hoof book. Um, and I also want to get some of Pete Ramey's books. He is like the, you know, the God of the hoof world, um, barefoot trimming. I mean, um, and you know, horses feet. I've learned so much about, um, barefoot versus shoes and boots and all that stuff. And I'm just, I'm going in deep, <laughs> um, which is, I, there's never a, a happy medium for me as always, um, 
way too much, <laughs> but I am a student at heart and that is what I love to do. So I'm doing all of that and I was just kind of, I've kind of had this book like open on my desk for a while and I just have not been able to bring myself to read it because I've always had like a podcast or a video to edit or I needed a break and not to do anything that required brain power um, or um, homework and all that good stuff, which by the way is a whole nother story, but essentially I'm behind in my classes because of everything that's been going on and I'm slowly trying to catch up, which is preventing me from working on the dominant theory episodes because each chapter of the book probably takes me about two hours to get through the reading and then the work and note taking and everything. And that's not counting breaks <laughs> that I take. But my boss texted me and I have never been so excited about a damn clinic before. Um, she texted me about this seminar and she was like, uh, hey dude. And I was like, oh my God. I flipped out about that and uh, signed up immediately. And now we are both going so that we can both learn and develop our knowledge in that regard and kind of help kickstart my, um, hoof journey. So that's on September uh, 12th and 13th. So that's coming up here pretty soon. And um, I'm, oh God, I'm just so excited to go learn from a professional that is there to, um, you know, talk to me about what's going on with, um, you know, like the insides and it's just going to bring cadaver feet and stuff. So you can like look at the inside internal structures and um, learn about it. Cause it's one thing to look at the hoof from the outside, but there's so much that goes on in inside that is absolutely crucial to understand to be successful at trimming you know I'm just I'm not interested in touching a foot without knowing what I'm doing like I just that no um so I I just want to learn everything I can about it and get good at it um so I can be the best I can for my horses and that when I leave this place I will not have to pay a farrier because <laughs> very picky about the way that I treat my horses and sometimes farriers um especially in my area they're a little bit difficult uh, as far as ethical treatment goes. And I mean, I get it. Like after so many horses you've done today, like it's hard to not see it as a, you know, a car that you're replacing a tire on. Um, but to me, I, I prefer it. And me and my farrier, um, we've had some, uh, disagreements in the past. I made a post about it a while back and I love him as a person. Like he is such a cool dude, but sometimes he gets a little angry with the ponies and I'm like, okay, no, no, let's not do that. Um, and I have just started just <laughs> doing, going against what he's told me in the past. He told me I'm never allowed to use food while he is working on them. Um, but we have this one mare named Andy and I couldn't catch her, like could not catch her. She's in a huge field. And I was like, I, I'm not sprinting around it. And I was like, look, next time you come back, I will have her able to be caught. And he was like, okay, dope. So next time he came back, I said, all right, you sit here in the golf cart and wait until I tell you to come in. And he was like, okay. And so I took my treat pouch out there and I walked right up to her, fed her a handful, put her halter on. And that was because a few days prior, I had started working with her, just hanging out with her in the pasture, letting her get comfortable with me and, you know, come up to me on her own terms and then just feeding her a bunch of snacks. Did that for like two days and then I could catch her. And um, we did the same thing today when he came out and she was perfect. Um, so, and now I <laughs> eat the horse's treats while he does them um, because I, I know <laughs> what I'm doing and try not to have wiggly horses. Um, but I understand how that's frustrating when you're used to people that like have horses moving all over the place, trying to search you for treats rather than somebody that understands um, how reinforcement works <laughs> and how motivated horses are for food. So um, I use it to help calm them and relax them and create positive associations with something that maybe worried them before. 
And uh, so that's going really well. But I'm so stoked for this clinic. Like, I think it's going to be so fun. There, I, I don't think there are going to be any, like, live trimmings or anything like that. There might be, but um, I won't be doing anything. I just want to learn and take notes, and um, I'll probably record it for my own personal use, but I will not be posting it online anywhere because that's it's just bad taste. Pay somebody to, you know, put on a clinic and everything and then just post their shit online. Like, that's not cool. Um, so if you want to go to her clinic, her name is Ida Hammer, and um, she... I don't know much about her, but um, from what I read of her bio, it's it's awesome. Um, and she's worked directly and indig- indirectly with Pete Ramey. So, um, she, you know, she it just, from my understanding, he's an awesome dude. I listened to him talk on the Humble Hoof podcast, and he's just incredible. So I'm really excited about um, this clinic. It seems like just an opportunity that could not have been timed better. So there's that. And I recently, like, all of this just sort of happened at the same time. I posted in a Facebook group called Clicker Training Horses about... Um, you know, just like how one goes about starting a young horse under saddle with positive reinforcement, because um, I'm a ways out from having to do that. But I'm probably going to be the one that starts the the boys and um, Azula. So I was like, I should probably like get some knowledge under the old belt before I go out and do that. Um, and so I posted in Aston. I got a lot of really good stuff out of it. A lot of really good, um, people's tips and things to consider and think about. Um, and I plan on having Kane Meyer, who is my horsemanship, who I keep saying I will have on this podcast. And I just haven't been the bully yet because our schedules are difficult, but I do fully intend on getting them on the podcast. Um, and they, I think broke a wild one and a wild Mustang who was deaf with clicker training. So, got some cool stories coming. That's another one of those opportunities that I was talking about. I'm going to have them on the podcast to talk about that sort of thing. And, um, yeah, I think it's, it's a really cool thing that's happening here. And when I posted that, they saw it and texted me and were like, yo, I got you. And I was like, hell yeah. And I was like, wait, actually, could we talk, have that conversation like on the podcast? And they were like, hell yeah. So cool. But somebody in that group saw my post and uh, then saw that Fair Horsemanship, who wrote Humane Science-Based Horse Training, um, Elise Muckenstrom, something hard to pronounce, not from America, and I'm ignorant, so um, I believe she's French. Um, She has a lot of awesome videos on YouTube, and that book is phenomenal for anybody looking to get started with positive reinforcement, Um, but she is doing a course on the 12th. It's, I think it's on the 12th. Anyway, it's on her Instagram if you want to look at it but um it was like i think 20 pounds and so that's roughly around 30 bucks um in u.s dollars so um it's going to be recorded and everything so if you can't make the zoom meeting then um you can watch it later um so that's what i'm going to do because i'll be at the hoof care clinic that weekend but she's doing a a zoom webinar about you know riding with the clicker and uh that sort of thing so i was like hell yeah perfect timing so lots of really exciting little things coming up and um yeah I don't know it's just it seems like things are falling into place and I I really needed that after the year that I've had and I'm sure everyone can relate because 2020 has been forking nuts dude um so I'm just I'm excited that 
some really exciting things are coming and I'm starting to get caught up in my classes now and um, not be so behind. I did one chapter today. It was all I could manage because I had the farrier and did not wake up super early because I went to bed late because I cleaned my house for three hours. <laughs> so Last night, I mean, so I went to bed at like 2.30. Ugh, not great, but I've been going to bed super early. I finally got my sleep schedule right, and um, that has helped tremendously with motivation and energy and feeling good about myself again, And because, um, man, when I was in that depressive episode, I did not go to bed ever. There was one day that I was up until 9 a.m., <laughs> like, it's ridiculous, and then, like, I was getting into the habit of going to bed at, like, 4 or 5 and then sleeping until 1 and that is not me at all. I like wake up at seven or eight um, without an alarm. So I was like, okay, we got to work on this. And it took me months to get it fixed. And now here we are. It's it's a lot better. Um, but I just, I really wanted to clean my house last night. So I did. Um, but yeah, so that brings me to the final thing that I want to talk about. So another podcast that I listen to is called Come Along for the Ride with Tracy Malone, um, who's Australian. She also has a brand called Eden River Equestrian. Um, she makes sustainable horse care products and just a phenomenal force in the horse world. Like she is an incredible, incredible woman. And she, what she does on her Come Along for the Ride podcast is almost every single episode is an interview with somebody. She's done Adele and Raquel Dreisma and... Um, connection training and equispeak and just like all these awesome people and I just I love listening to those episodes from different people from all walks of life different parts of the um, horse industry she did an episode on PSSM one and two um, with a scientist researcher um, and like just awesome awesome conversations that are so enlightening to me every time and um, I was listening to um, like I kind of just, I've heard really awesome things about Warwick Schiller, but I, like I watched one video of his and I was like, mm, not really for me. And that's okay. I do that a lot with a lot of people and, um, I'm typically pretty open-minded, but I was like, ah, it's just not really my thing. And I kind of just like left it there, but I've heard a lot of people say some really awesome things about him. And so when I saw that she had done an interview with him, I was like, let's see what this guy's all about. And it was like two hours long. And I was like, okay, well, it must have been a good talk. <laughs> like, you can't talk for two hours about, uh, you know, with somebody that doesn't have anything to say. And you guys, that episode was, like, the most informative, revelationary, revolution, revelation-filled, for me, episode <laughs> I've listened to in a really long time. And it was, it was hardly had anything to do with horses, honestly, like a lot of it tied into horses and, but it was mostly just about how if you are not right with yourself and you're not in touch with you, it's really, really difficult to get in touch with an animal that is so in touch with themselves, which are horses, <laughs> if you're not following. Um, but he just talked about his journey through therapy and discovering how to unlock his good emotions through unlocking the bad ones. Um, because there's been a lot of research that shows if you try to shut off or block your bad emotions, you clog the pipe entirely. And then the good emotions have a hard time coming through, which is something I really struggle with. Um, like Archie, my cat, didn't feel anything about it. Nothing. I, every time I started to get sad, I was like, no, <laughs> I've dealt with a lot of loss in the past 
um, year or so and um, just a lot of loss of life and love and opportunity and hopes and dreams and things like just everything seemed to kind of die off. So I kind of just got numb to it all. And that was great until I realized that I'm not really feeling and appreciating all the good. And that episode really woke that up in me. And I was like, hells yeah. And also he talked about meditation. And I have mentioned several times in this episode now that I struggle with ADHD. And I have a really, really hard time sitting still, even medicated. It's very hard for me to not be thinking 10 steps ahead on what task I want to do. And when I was in therapy there for a little while, I my therapist always tried to get me to meditate. And I was like, yeah, yeah whatever. It doesn't really matter. Um, it has the most profound impact, I think, <laughs> um, because I listened to that episode last night. And then today I have been thinking about that nonstop because it just the way he framed it. I'm not even going to try to paraphrase it. It put meditation in a whole new perspective for me. And I, I will link that episode down below um, in the show notes, in the comments. Um, and if you don't know how to access those, pretty sure wherever you're listening, Spotify or Apple podcast, I can't speak for Android devices, but I'm pretty sure it's all the same. Um, you know, just if you click on this episode, the description of it, um, you can see the details and there'll be some links. Um, and I'm sure I'll put it up on my website at some point whenever I get to that, which is currently under construction, jetticwithyuri.com, just for the plug. Um, but, Anyway, that episode is so worth listening to. It's the Come Along for the Ride podcast with Warwick Schiller. Um, and I ha- you have to listen to it. You just, you have to. It was an incredible, incredible eye-opening listen. And um, do it when you can pay attention. Like if you're on a long drive or something, don't do it if you're like trying to, you know, I don't know what tasks you would do when you can listen to podcasts that you don't have to pay attention to because what's the point? Um, anyway, it was just, it was really just transformative for me because I have always looked at meditation like something that is kind of irrelevant and useful and useless despite you know being a clinical mental health um student and um pursuing my master's degree in it and seeing all of this evidence that shows how impactful meditation can be and I was like yeah yeah whatever not for me um but um it's just it was really interesting and he was talking about how it completely changed the way he interacts with horses and I've heard people and it makes me like my eyes are shut right now and I'm cringing because it it hurts me when I hear people talk about energy and horses and I have never understood it until today and I still don't wouldn't say it's a full understanding so I want to elaborate on that a little bit and I'm going to wrap up this episode with this um so I I don't even really know how to explain it. It's just I listened to that episode and then I really thought about what he was saying and he was talking about, you know, these horses would be um, with their owners and they just were reacting in ways that the owners didn't like and they were like, he's so pushy. I don't know how to stop this. I don't know what to do. And he just he was like, I just took the lead rope from her and the horse just dropped to the ground and was unconscious for like 30 minutes taking a nap. Like, he was like, it is a profound difference. Like, his energy was so calm and centered and confident and respectful that um, the horses could relax finally. And those were horses that had struggled with it before. And there's more to the story. It's not just like, oh, he touched the leader up and the horse fell asleep. Finally, it could sleep. Um, there's a lot more nuance to it. And it's it's so worth your listen. If I haven't sold you already, please listen to it. Um, but it... uh 
it was just really crazy to hear about that. And I was like, okay, how can I apply this, you know, myself in my way as somebody who doesn't have a lot of experience with meditating? Um, so I, it's just been on my mind all day today. And I have, you know, I, I had to hold horses for the farrier today. And I, as I was considering that, like I noticed how often I wasn't paying attention to the horse. I was thinking about, you know, what I needed to do or what the farrier's doing or coming up with questions about the feet, um, because I can't help it. (laughs) And, um, or what other horses we have to do or, um, the assignments that I wanted to do. Um, and I actually told myself, um, that I wanted to make a list of online courses I wanted to take about hoof care and training and all that good stuff while I was holding for the farrier. Did not get that done because of this. Um, which is fine, honestly, for me. Um, so I, I was out there with him and I started like, cause in the episode, it'll make so much more sense if you just listen to the damn episode. Uh, but Warwick was talking about how, um, you like just focusing on centering yourself, which sounds so ambiguous and woo woo to me. Um, (laughs) but there's no other way to explain it. I think everybody just kind of has a sense about what that is. Um, so I just kind of like thought about it and took some deep breaths. And then I realized how tight my shoulders were that I was holding them up rather than just like letting them hang. And, um, you know, that I was compensating in weird ways and where my body was weaker. And, um, so I, you know, kind of relaxed my shoulders and straightened up a little bit. And I felt good in my feet and, um, you know, noticed how my legs were feeling, my feet were feeling. And that's, that's part of meditation is just awareness. And I took some deep breaths and then the horse sighed. And I was like, no way. (laughs) And it was the craziest thing. Like I completely, I was holding Twinkie and, um, he had previously looked quite nervous. Like his, he had like triangle eyes going on with, um, wrinkled brow. And he's normally nervous around the farrier anyway, just because his feet, he tends to have really thin, um, hoof wall. And when he left, it got worse. And now that he's back, it's, we're trying to fix it. Um, but he has like no hoof wall at all. It's ridiculous. Um, but he, he stood and he just took the deepest breath and relaxed. And I was like, what? That's crazy. Cause I had, I had no expectations for what was going to happen. I didn't expect him to lay down. Um, but just that change in energy was unreal. And it was because I relaxed and I, I have grown up being a very tense and anxious person. And I, now that I'm no longer emotionally anxious, my body still remembers it. And it's, it's carrying all that tension in my shoulders and, um, in the way I hold myself. And I can't tell you how many times I caught myself holding my breath, like, and I don't even notice it regularly. And I just, I noticed that, um, like, I just didn't feel right. And then I was like, you're not breathing. <laughs> like, and it's because I, I get nervous around, um, the farrier because, you know, A, I'm trying to give the horse treats and not screw up and make the farrier go, okay, no more food. Um, you know, I don't want the horse to get uncomfortable. I also want the horse to relax and be nice to him so that he doesn't do anything that I don't agree with, i.e. hitting the horses with tools and everything. And a lot of people, okay, first of all, a lot of people commented on my post about the farrier and were like, you just need to get a new farrier, fire him. And I was like, Uh, if you lived in my area, you would see why we have not. Um, Because he's such a nice dude, but he just doesn't, 
He just doesn't get, like, he's not educated. And that doesn't justify, you know, hurting animals at that level. But he doesn't, he doesn't know. And I have done things like that before. So I have compassion for it, but I also have respect for the animal. So I am trying to do everything I can to make the animal successful so that he doesn't have to do that. And also I can show him, you know, through um, example that the horses can stand and be nice if you treat them kindly rather than beating them into submission. So that's what I'm doing in an inadvertent kind of way. I'm tricking him. Um, but we don't have farriers around us and um, all the other ones are much more abusive. So, or impossible to get a hold of. So, and even then probably not nice. So, um, yeah, so we can't switch farriers and I don't know enough to shoe the, or shoe or trim the whole property because we have close to 50 horses. So it's, it's just not an option and he is really willing to learn. So hoping that I can slowly bring him to the dark side, but he, um, I've totally, oh, okay. So yeah, Twinkie. And then I did the same thing with Shotzi when I was holding her. I noticed she had kind of a worried look in her eye and, um, she, Twinkie tends to be, hi, Wally. Do you have things to say? Twinkie tends to be a little bit pushy with her in that, um, he will pin her ears and move her around, uh, pin his ears and move her around. And so I could tell that she was nervous when he walked up to her. And I made a comment because the farrier was walking towards her and she walked away. She sidestepped away from him. And I was like, okay, energy difference. (laughs) Um, Because the horses, like, I just have so many things I want to talk about in this vein. Um, But so when Twinkie would walk up to her, she would would get a nervous look in her eye. But she knew she couldn't move because the farrier was holding her foot. Um, And so I just kind of like... (sighs) it sounds so woo-woo and I'm so not a woo-woo person and this is really difficult for me to articulate without using woo terminology. Now I understand why woo people say woo things because it's hard to talk about. Um, But it works in the weirdest ways, but it's so personal. It's not something that I could be like, this is what you do. But it just, for me, in the most like behavior terms I can put it in is I just really took a moment to take some deep breaths and focus on my body and how it felt. And that's how I kind of work with mindfulness because, I mean, they say you're supposed to, like, you know, identify all of your senses. What do you smell? What do you see? What do you touch? What do you feel? Blah, blah, um, Taste, whatever. Rarely taste, though. <laughs> but um, So it's just, it's kind of like a grounding thing. A lot of people do it for panic attacks um, or to prevent them. Um, but it is also very centering and it reorients you to what you're doing and where you are. And when... Um, when I was doing that, I just kind of like looked at Twinkie and, um, just kind of like, I don't know what to say. I just kind of like directed my energy with my body movements. Like I moved towards him and maybe that was what moved him off, but he just kind of like stepped back and then I stepped back and then we just kind of looked at each other and then he just chilled out. Like that was it. And, um, Shotzi relaxed and we got our feet done with no issue. And then we went, um, into the other field and where Andy, who is the nervous one that I mentioned before, um, I, the farrier waited in the golf cart unprompted, which I was like, thank you. Um, and so I walked out there and I had my little treat pouch of alfalfa pellets. And, um, I, you know, just really contemplating how horses perceive my body language, because I've always, I, I know that I've always had a sense about animals and like, how they read me, but I've never paid attention to it or tried to send a message with my body language, like, 
oh god intentionally i guess rather than like you know just the basic like move out of my space or whatever um but just being intentional with how I was positioning my body. And I know all about curving from reading Raquel Dreisma's book and like standing outside, but just like this is Warwick talks about it in the come along for the ride podcast as well, um, about a horse that was swinging his head into his owner, um, and how you interact with them. And I think, um, she had an episode with some other guy. I'll try to find it while I'm talking. Um, but um, just like how you are perceived by your horse and if you're actually interacting with them in a way that is respectful to them is Chris Irwin. It's one of her more recent episodes, um, from August 11th. Um, it's called Chris Irwin, horse trainer and behavioralist. Um, he, I, I didn't agree with everything that he said, but there were so many incredible things in there. Just like I don't agree, like I tend to not agree with everyone, but I think it's really important to listen to people that have differing views than you, like me and Shelby in the podcast episode that we did. We don't agree on everything at all. She thinks I'm wrong about some stuff. I think she's wrong about some stuff. We both have areas where we're like, mm, I should probably explore how I feel about that. And we both have areas where we're like, you're totally right. And I think that's a really important thing to do as a trainer who is evolving is to look at what you do and don't agree with. Um, with other trainers and areas you want to look into to see if you might agree, um, if you learn more. And the Chris Irwin, um, I'd never heard of him before, uh, but the things he was, say was saying about like how they hold their bodies and the way we ride and the positions we put them in and the emotions and um, physical associations, like the positions that they stand in or go in when they're moving, um, what those would mean if there wasn't a rider on their back and what emotions those are associated with. It's kind of like if you smile for long enough, you'll start to feel good things because your body associates that behavior with good feelings. And the same thing happens for frowning and, you know, having your brow furrowed all the time. You tend to view the world a little bit more angry. Try it at Walmart. Walk around and smile and see how you feel and then walk around with a scowl on your face and see how you feel. Um, if, if you don't have Walmart, try it at your grocery store or whatever. Um, uh, and it's perfect time to do it because you have a mask on. Um, but anyway, you don't look like a psycho. But um, he was talking about things like that and just like um, how so much of what horse trainers and behavioralists do is so much people training because people don't realize how rude and offensive our body language is to horses. Um, and it's not intentional for the most part. Most of us aren't trying to be imposing or a quote-unquote aggressive or anything but sometimes we're just flat out rude we're like you're doing this now um and I think those podcast episodes tied really well together and um I really encourage you guys to listen to them like it was, it was super informative both and um yeah so I mean just I was just thinking about that with Andy when I went out there and I just kind of walked out to the side and usually I get really nervous with my farrier because I, I know he's usually in a hurry. He's got other horses to do. I also know he works other jobs and has, uh, you know, a family and things to get to. And, um, so I normally feel like an unspoken pressure. And so, uh, I try to hurry things along, but this was the first time and I recognized it in the moment too. When I went out there, um, to catch Andy that I, I walked like she was, she was on the y-axis and I was on the x-axis. I walked perpendicular to her um, and at a distance. I left like a yard between us. And I 
um, sort of turned around and reached in my little pouch and pulled out some alfalfa pellets and piqued her interest. She could hear it. And um, she took a step and she, I could tell she was unsure. So I looked away from her and held, like slowly moved my hand over to her and held it out. And she walked up and she took a few bites. And normally at this point, I would have tried to put the halter on because I'm trying to rush. But I was like, I could feel that desire and I recognized it for what it was. And I was like, it's okay. The horse is more important in this circumstance. I want to tell her everything is okay. We're trying to do something good, helpful, and beneficial to you, and you get treats out of it. So there's no need to worry. Nobody's in a hurry, and we're not going to... I wasn't going to put my anxiety onto her because I think that is the biggest thing that happens with me and horses, and that is a huge lesson that I learned from that episode and application today because... Uh, like I just don't realize like I said when I was holding Shotzi how much tension is in my shoulders and that's it's my body reacting to a nervousness um you know a willingness to you know try and figure out what my farrier is expecting of me and you know behave appropriately be on guard in case the horse does anything when what I'm doing is counterproductive because I'm unknowingly signaling to the horse that something is not quite right because I'm projecting an, a nervous sense about me. Even if I'm just standing there like messing around on my phone or whatever, my body's not relaxed. I'm not paying attention and I'm not tuned into the horse. And when you know every little aspect of what your horse's body language is communicating, there's so much more that, you know, they can offer you and then subsequently you can offer them. And so, um, keep coming back to Andy. When I was out there, I, um, you know, I just fed her some treats and instead of moving immediately to try and halter her, I just hung out with her for a second and I rubbed her neck and gave her some more treats. And then I put the lead rope, you know, in the crook of my elbow and just stood there and gave her some more treats. And then I reached up and put it over her neck and put the halter on with no problem. She didn't move. And it was totally perfect. And that is a huge difference. And it's not, like, you know, people always say, well, with horses, you can never be in a hurry. It's not that. It's that you need to respect that it's not just your time that matters. It's theirs. Sometimes they need time. And just taking those extra 15 seconds prevented me from having to chase her around the farm. And um, then I did the same with every other horse that we caught. And they all went beautifully. And they stood politely and the farrier was happy. And at the end, I made my snarky can't help it comments. And I was like, so about that food stuff. And he was like, shut up, Jill. <laughs> um, and then came back inside, worked on homework for a little while. And then I, I just had this pull to go outside with the horses. And I was like, it's late and I need to get a podcast episode recorded. And like, but I was like, I just, I need I want to go work with my horse. I haven't spent any time with Zoe lately because this, I get into this cycle with her where I work with her and we're going so well and then I, there's a challenge and then I, I, it's too much and I get overwhelmed and then I stop working with her and um, that's something that I'm really trying to work on is dealing with being overwhelmed and learning how to break it down into small bite-sized pieces for me and then reinforcing me so that I can uh, be successful in my behavioral endeavors. But um, when 
like it's just I get into the cycle where I get overwhelmed and then I stop and then I feel guilty and then I I don't know when I'll feel good enough to start again uh, or when I'll have enough knowledge and so then I just don't do anything for a long time and then I feel guilty and then I start avoiding her and it's a whole thing but I decided that today I really wanted to just go be with her there doesn't have to be an expectation there doesn't have to be a lesson plan and I know that she has been feeling clicker deprived lately because every time I walk past her, she nickers at me and she really wants treats. And like, I'm a guys, <laughs> I put that clicker uh, or that treat pouch on and I, the second I started heading towards the fence, cause she knows the difference between when I have a treat pouch on and when I don't. And I started walking towards the fence and she started winning and nickering and just calling to me. And she was so excited and I went out there and oh my God, it was a blizzard of behaviors. She was just throwing things at me left and right. And it was so fun to watch. And because I mean, she was like forward, backward, forward, backward. And I was like, okay, let's not be anxious about this. And then I worked on, um, you know, just, I was doing the same things that I did with the horses when I was holding them. But Zoe is, she tends to have anxious reactions anyway. And we, tend to go in a downward spiral with each other because of that because we're both like that and so one of us has to break the cycle and you know it should probably be the one that is studying brains <laughs> with a cognizant mind um as far as I'm aware I don't know that she has one <laughs> um she's a horse but sometimes it's nice to think she does but um I went out there and I was like center yourself do not just go in there and start having a lesson plan and enacting it on your horse because um, positive reinforcement, it's a lot harder to get aggressive with the horses, but you can still be just as commanding um, and punitive inadvertently. And it's really easy to slip into that. And I think it has a lot to do with your energy, which comes from your intentions. And if you don't know what those are when you enter an arena or a pasture with your horse, um, they're going to know before you do, and they're going to react accordingly. And so I went out there with just, I just want to see what she wants to do. And, um, as we started working, I realized that something that could be productive for both of us was just walking around slowly, just walking around the field. And, um, we made a lot of stops and worked a lot on, um, you know, just having me respecting her space and her staying out of mine and being rewarded for it because she has a tendency to cut me off. And I was kind of thinking, I was like, why is she cutting me off? And then I was like, maybe I'm not reinforcing her until she does. And then I corrected that and I started reinforcing her when she was beside me. And then voila, problem solved. And at one point it was the coolest thing ever. Like it was so funny. I was walking along the fence and she had cut me off and I rewarded her there because she was getting anxious and I just and like a lot of what I had to do because she got so overworked mentally like because I um she was so excited to do the clicker stuff that she just she kind of worked herself up a little bit so I was having to take a lot of deep breaths relax and I think the thing that I focus on most is my feet like I'm because it's it's more literal about grounding and I'm not very advanced in mindfulness <laughs> um so I was like just, how do your feet feel how is it like take a moment and center how's your body and, um, every time, like one of the times I took a breath, she, she took a breath and I was like, that's so dope. And I gave her lots of goodies for that because I was like, this is awesome. She just actually took a breath and relaxed. And, um, the time I was talking about, she, um, 
uh, I was walking along the fence and she had cut me off and by cut me off I mean like we were working walking side by side and then she like comes in front of me to where we're perpendicular now and um she cut me off and I it was between her and the fence and when I started walking forward again um she just did a complete side pass like she just crisscrossed you know front over back and walked completely sideways along the rail and I was like you're kidding and so I clicked and rewarded for that I was like that was fucking awesome because my my walk sideways cue or side pass cue is a hip target and a shoulder target with my hands like open palm and I walk backwards away from her with my hands like that and for her to do that like with me not in that I was dead in front of her like I was in front of her nose and it was just so cool instead of walking and turn like oh it was awesome and um then at one point she did a 360 just on her own just did a rock back on the haunches 360 and I was like that was dope it was like she was just like look at what I can do look at it and I was just vibing with it and we had a great time just relaxing and um she was showing me all the things that she came up with (laughs) while I wasn't there and um but I, I really think the coolest part was when I relaxed myself and took a breath and dropped my shoulders and just felt the tension leave my body that she took a deep breath and lowered her head and relaxed herself and it was just so important to me because um you know, for me, I don't know how to explain it and I don't want to get too deep into it because this is already almost a two hour podcast and I had no idea it was going to be. Sorry, I had a lot to say. <laughs> um, but I like I really struggle with tension and it's gotten to the point where I don't know who I would be without tension and without go, go, go and productivity. And it scares me to try to change that. And that's why I think I avoid mindfulness and meditation because I'm like, who would I be if I'm not this you know, all over the place, driven by a motor (laughs) kind of person. And um, I think that there is balance in that and learning how to help yourself. And also, if you remember at the beginning of this episode, if it hasn't been three years for you, um, that I was talking about tension headaches. And when I notice that I am holding my shoulders or not holding my head and neck properly, um, and I'm creating tension in my neck and my shoulder blades, um, that it it's a it affects me physically and it hurts <laughs> so um to be able to do that and also be aware of what i'm saying to my horse rather than like oh my god okay i am your drill sergeant and i have lots of things to do i might have a clicker and a treat pouch but i'm still not with you i'm i've got a motive here and this is i think going to be a very hard thing for me to do from here on out but i think it's so important because i got so much more done with zoe today than i have in a very long time not just because i haven't been working with her but like even when i was i just i was getting frustrated because i couldn't get her to do what i wanted her to do and i have a feeling that it had a lot to do with my anxious energy and my frustration projecting out in my body language, in my facial expression, and in sporadic, you know, behaviors and just not acting in a calm, relaxed way. There was a lot of stress involved and tension. And then in a stressed, intense, tension um, horse that it just amplifies and it amplified for both of us and it kept happening and I was like I don't know what to do um so thank you Warwick Scheller and um 
oh god tracy malone and chris Irwin for opening my eyes to um you know nuance that i didn't recognize was there and it's so so important and this is the stuff that is you can't put in books because it's it's woo woo it is i'll be the first to say it um but it's it's quantum physics and quantum mechanics um and my therapist talked to me about that too and i was like okay that's smart people things but essentially it's just kind of like it's all in line with manifest um manifesting what you want and if you're thinking negative thoughts that's all you're going to you know produce in life because that's all you're focusing on that's all you're ever going to see you're never going to see the good things that are happening for you because if you're focusing on negative you just you can't see anything else and you know and on the flip side if you are blocking all of the negative you're not going to see any of the good either because it's just going to be blank and neutral expecting the worst and hoping for the best and just kind of living life with blinders on for both directions and um it, it reflects in the horse in ways that you can't even imagine. I really encourage you to listen to those two episodes that I just mentioned. Listen to the Chris Irwin one first and then listen to the uh, Warwick Schiller one. And um, then go out with your horse. Dare you. It is, it's so different from anything that I've ever experienced. And it's not that I am um, some magical woo-woo person. I'm just concentrating on my feet and taking a breath and letting go of holding my body. Um, you know, I'm just like relaxing, letting it drain out. And then the difference in the horse, phenomenal. That's all it is. And I tried it with the babies too. It's funny because all of the horses and their moms were spread out in the field. And every time I normally go out there, um, with the babies and the, um, moms, they, they all kind of just like hang out and they let me walk up to them. Azula usually comes up to me because we're buddies, but, um, Everybody else just kind of hangs out and they don't really pay me any mind. Um, they might come sniff me. They might walk away. Um, but today it was crazy. Like I worked with Zoe and then I went out to their field and I just kind of like wandered around and hung by the fence line and just waited. And then Astro came up to me and Sterling came up to me and I was messing with them. And then, um, they moved on and went playing. I guess they did not like the calm energy. Um, and the whole time I was out there, I was really concentrating on grounding myself and like just thinking project peace, project peace. And, um, which doesn't mean anything, but my body knew what I was communicating to it, I guess. And, um, then Dexter walked up to me and I was like, Hey Dex, which was unusual. Cause he normally is kind of standoffish and likes to hang out with Dixie, his mom. And so he walked up to me and instead of like just getting into scratches or asking things from him. I just pet him and like stroked him. And if he turned his head away from me, I withdrew my hands. And then if he drew his head back into me, I would um, offer them. And then if he made contact, then I would start petting him instead of just forcing me on him and um, just going in to touch his face. You know how people say like about dogs, like just touching their faces is kind of (laughs) rude. But if you ask permission first in a way that the animal understands, then they will probably give it to you. And so I kind of just like let him take the lead. And then instead of digging in with scratches, like I normally do, which they love, by the way, I was like, that's a little bit too high energy for what I'm trying to do at the moment. So I just like kind of stroked him and pet up and down on his neck. And oh my goodness, that little horse loved it. And I 
then noticed that his mom, Dixie, walked up to me. Dixie never comes up to me, ever. And um, she, she just hasn't, like, I don't know, she has two double bows from racing. And she um, she's just kind of standoffish. That's why he is. Um, but, you know, I worked with her a lot in the beginning when he was first born to because um, she was really hard to catch. So um, we bonded, but, you know, after that, you know, she, I could walk up to her fine. So I didn't really work with treats or anything. Um, and then she was just kind of indifferent. She let me walk up to her, but she never really came up to me. So today, you know, Astro and then Sterling and then they left and then Dexter and Dixie both walked up to me and then came Azula. And then I was petting both of them and it was it just crazy little things that kept happening. Like, um, when I was petting them, I, um, you know, they're, Azula is kind of grouchy because the boys bite a lot. And so, um, you know, Dexter, they're both standing like on either side of me. Okay. And they're both at an angle. So their heads are like almost pointed directly at each other. And when Dexter would turn his head toward Azula, I could see she would pin her ears. So I would keep just scratching her or petting her, um, gently. And then I would, um, take my hand off of him. And he kind of reacted by turning his head away. And then I immediately started, you know, stroking him again. And he, he, I I could see that he thought about it. And he was like, hmm. And then his head slowly drifted back towards Azula. And I took my hand off. Immediately, head snapped the opposite direction. And I was like, no fucking way. And so I did that a few more times, like when his head would drift back towards her because it makes her really uncomfortable because she's smaller than them and they bite. (laughs) And, um, so she always gets grouchy and pins her ears and, um, everything. And, um, I don't want her to be a little stressed, angry bird. So, uh, it was really cool that he just picked up on that in like two goes. He totally got it. And, um, it was just, it was so cool. And then as I'm petting them, I turned around and all of the mares, like all of them were right up next to us. And like, this is not feed time or anything like that. I'm not near the buckets or anything like Irish Astros, uh, nurse mare and Cleo, who is pregnant and she's out there right now. And she's like an auntie to, uh, to the two boys. She loves those boys. Um, and then, uh, Azula's mom, who also never really comes up to me, was standing right behind Azula, and then Dixie was right by Dexter, and then, um, oh god, what's her name? (laughs) Misty and Sterling were, like, everybody was just, like, right around me, and I was like, this is nuts. These horses, like, I, I can't explain it, but I know them so well. I know their personalities and their tendencies, and that was just not the norm, and it, it was just awesome. And I really think that it had so much to do with me being an inviting and unobtrusive presence, unintrusive presence. Like I just, I wasn't asking anything of them. And that's not to say that you should never ask anything at all of your horses. But I think that it is important to, while have, while you can have goals and ask things of your horse to not just expect it every single time. And I think, um, you know, Bex Tasker, who was also a really awesome episode to listen to that was on Come Along for the Ride, but um, I know her. I've been in uh, positive reinforcement groups with her, and she's super cool. She was talking about the first thing she teaches her students is um, a lesson called Breathe and Be. Just go be with them. Just go be and breathe and relax. And um, so maybe that's another one to tack on to your um, 
podcast listening adventures but um those three episodes chris Irwin, warwick schiller and bex tasker it's b-e-x tasker um she talked a lot about stuff like that and it's just so powerful to balance it with that because then your horses know your energy and it becomes your energy so then you stop going through life holding tension and being you know braced to run and bolt all the time and um you can relax and the horses respond to it so well it's everything that you ever hear about horses the harder you try to control them um you know, the further you push them away, or it's the same with people too. I mean, like in relationships, the tighter you hold on, the harder you push. And if you just let go and trust and allow the other individual, be it horse or human to think for themselves and have a choice, then you get a real yes and you get real connection. And I, I swear to God, all that happened today. <laughs> like it was just absurd. The series of events and podcast episodes that fell into place one after another. And the fact that I was actually listening and hearing what they were saying and then reflecting on it. And I don't know. And that's why I really wanted to do this episode too, because sometimes I don't realize how much I, like really was impacted by it until I have to put it into words and then it makes more sense to me. But really all it was was just going out to be with the horses. And I didn't even walk up to anybody. I did not go out there and walk straight to Azula or to Astro or anything. They all just came to me. And um, it was just so cool. And it's the first time in my life that I think I've ever truly been peaceful and relaxed because I was being intentional about it and I was just absorbing their personalities and what they wanted and love and connection whether horses can feel it or not I felt it and I felt it for them and I I felt um as much as I could from them you know and just appreciation and it was such a different feeling and I'm not saying I'm I'm not gonna go turn all my horses out into the wild and run free with them and never do anything you know ridden or things like that um and there's nothing wrong with that but I think I think that there is a way to tie the two together and that's what Warwick Schiller does and while he is not necessarily like positive reinforcement clicker trainer he does use it to some degree um but I really think that a lot of what he teaches is so powerful um, so I'm going to have to look into some of his stuff as well, um, more so than just the podcast episode. But um, yeah, I don't know. I've just, I've been on kind of a, kind of a journey. And, um, you know, as I was walking back to my house after I left the, the babies, I, um, I saw Zoe was out in the corner of her field and I was like, oh good, she's out grazing. And um, I was walking back towards my house and I turned around one more time to look and she was on the fence and I was like, Oh my God. (laughs) And so I walked back over to her and I went out there and I didn't have my treat pouch and I was just hanging out with her and she started, um, she's so weird about touch. She's very selective on when you can touch her and when she wants it and likes it. And I, I just kind of went out there and like tried to read her at, the best of my ability. And if she turned her head away, I took my hand away. And if she brought her head to me, then I would offer it and then see what she would do. And very quickly, she caught on that wherever she put her body, I would scratch her. And she was moving backwards and forwards so I could get her shoulders. She even pointed with her nose to her forearm. Like she 
touched it with her forearm and I started scratching it like just above her knee, which is a weird place. I wouldn't think they would be itchy there. Nope, definitely very, very itchy. And she was all about it. And then, um, and then at one point I just like stepped back from her, um, in front of her and she started walking forward and I was like, okay, she's done. And then, uh, she started going sideways and then her butt was suddenly in front of me and I was like, oh my God, you are a Philly again. She just like straight up turned her butt to me and then was like, scratch it. And so I did. And that's okay. Obviously there are some, you know, potential training problems with that. You don't want your horse swinging its butt at you if it wants itches, but, um, or scratchies, I guess, cause it itches. Um, but it was cute. <laughs> Sorry, can't help it. Bad training moment. But um, I I just thought it was so funny that she just so clearly communicated and was like, please. <laughs> and I did. And I scratched her everywhere. Her armpits were super itchy. And um, at one point when I was, you know, kind of just petting her face, she started moving her head up and down. And she really likes to have her eyeballs scratched, which is weird. Like, I just cut my hands and she just aggressively goes up and down with her head and just rubs her entire face and her ears and temples and eyes and nose all over, um, all over in between my hands. And then she, uh, (laughs) she, when I was scratching her withers and her armpits and everything, she, it was so cute. I was laughing so hard. She started nuzzling my arm. Uh, and grooming me and she's the most gentle groomer ever she will not bite she just moves her nose back and forth and um she was doing it on my shirt but she really wanted to do my hair and she put her nose in the crook of my neck and just like sniffed and it like chills everywhere on my body like it tickled so bad and um she just started grooming in my hair and it was just I was cracking up laughing and I think that's one of the best moments I've ever had with her And it's, I just, I can't even get over how impactful that episode was for me. Um, so yeah, I just, I kind of just wanted to ramble and talk to you guys about that (laughs) a little bit. Um, and hopefully it made some sense. Um, but now you guys are fully updated on my life and where I am and how things are going and why things have been lagging, but hopefully, uh, next week we'll have the, um, patron questions. And then after that, I'll do Shelby's episode. And then after that, um, you know, maybe I'll get Kane on the podcast, um, or start with Alicia Harlov. Um, you know, got a lot of people I want to talk to, um, and need some suggestions, which now you can email me at equitheory at gmail.com and ask me about some people you'd like me to talk to. Um, interviews scare the dog shit out of me, but I think that's why I need to do them. Um, Shelby's was really hard for me to get into, but she, she asked me, um, which was kind of the kick in the pants I needed, I guess, to get started because I've, I've wanted to do interviews for a really long time, but just never did. Um, and she reached out and I was like, okay, it's time. So I'm going to start doing them. Um, let me know. You can shoot me an email or a patron message. Um, I have a whole list of topics I want to cover, um, here soon, but I hope that you guys are enjoying the new episode, and also thank you to whomever, I forget who it was, that reached out to me and told me that in the trailer episode for, um, you know, season three, that's Equitheory now, I said equine in theory because I'm a dunce, I'm gonna have to record that, re-record that and upload it, but I just want to say thank you to you guys for listening to me talk, and I really hope that you check out those episodes that I recommended, um, because that, 
that has just been transformative. And also that I'm not a super woo-woo person. I think that horses are kind of just woo animals anyway. (laughs) And we're all drawn to them because they bring out something in us. And they have so much to teach us. I've learned more lessons about people and life and who I am and who I want to be for my horses than I think I have from anybody else. I definitely wouldn't have learned this about myself because I'm learning about how important it is uh, to meditate and take care of yourself and all that good stuff through my degree right now. (laughs) And I still, every time I hear the research, I'm like, yeah, whatever. It's not for me. And it was my horse that made me do it. And, um, I just want to thank you guys for listening. And, uh, hopefully I made some sense and I'm not being too like out there. Um, and if I am, oh, well, I'm sure it'll ground at some point. (laughs) Every time I find something new, I kind of tend to dive headfirst and then draw back and find the balance. So thank you guys for listening. You can check us out on Instagram and Facebook at Equitheory. And you can also follow me and the horses at Jet Equitheory on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. Also, my website is jetequitheory.com where I'll be posting a bunch of resources and podcasts and all that good stuff. Um, I have a lot of it up already, but I'm doing an other resources page that's not positive reinforcement exclusive, um, but it's under construction right now, so don't judge how it looks, but I'm getting there. I have a lot of, a lot of really exciting things coming up that I want to do for this podcast, um, but yeah, so thank you guys for listening, and I will catch you guys next Tuesday. <laughs>